0: Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast. I'm Mark.
1: And I'm Bethan. Hi, guys.
0: Thank you for joining us once again. Welcome back. Um, Can't remember what else I was going to say, what I was supposed to say, Bethan.
1: You were just going to say welcome back to the show and thanks for joining us. You've done it.
0: So, done. I've done it. I'm you going home. You can go home. home now.
1: That's it. Sorted. Woo! Um, we really wanted to say a massive thank you to our newest patron supporters before we started. So, a huge thank you to Jake Wild, Liz Jones, Carly Jones, Hannah Smith, Nicola Law, and Tanya, who's signed up for an annual subscription. Thank you so much, guys, for joining up and for supporting us monetarily. Very, very grateful. Thank you.
0: Monetarily.
1: It is a word, isn't it?
0: It's definitely a word, just not a word I would uh, expect to come out of your math.
1: My math.
0: Yeah, well done. Um, um, it's if your you wanna join now, those Mark. guys. Yeah, well I'm starting, ain't I? <laughs> If you want to join those guys, then you can head over to patreon.com forward slash seeing red podcast. Uh don't forget to uh hunt us out on all of the usual social media platforms. We're on uh Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um yeah, come and come and join us. We've got nearly three thousand of you now on Instagram. Uh, loads of you on Facebook, on the group, and um, a few of you on Twitter as well. So loads of fun stuff going on over there, including exclusive social media competitions. Uh, so yeah, get involved.
1: Yes, actually, great idea to just do a final shout out for next Friday. I think it's next Friday. I said I was going to draw the competition. Um, it might be Saturday. I can't remember. But it will say oh, in the competition. Sake. Um for Chris Clark has donated... Two copies of four of his books. Does that make sense? No. Um, so eight, eight one books, of eight books, eight books in total, which is really really generous. Um, so on Facebook there are four chances to win a book, and then on Instagram there are four chances, and it is four of his books. Does that make any sense at all? So if you would like to win one of those, all you have to do is comment, and I'll be just picking a winner at random.
0: But I, the only thing I would say, I think it's kind of this Friday you're doing the draw um so you've got two days
1: <laughs> it is isn't it i just yeah. don't know when when i am because
0: it's because it's we're recording on on sunday but it, so is, to still, us it's next it week, is still this friday
1: yeah it's this yeah friday, to you guys. guys it's it's two if days if you haven't time. entered already go and enter and they're signed copies as well which is exciting
0: Um. So Bethan's got a case this week and it is, I had a little sneak peek at it when you sent it over. So I literally just read the first few lines and I was like, oh my God, I know this case. I know which one it is. And I'm really intrigued and really excited actually to hear it. Because again, it's one of those that I've heard of, but I don't really know very well. So... Um, so yeah I'm really looking forward to this
1: I'm glad well it was a case that was a listener suggestion it's actually one from ages ago I'm potentially like a year and a half ago maybe even longer Um, so bad bad Leroy Brown on Instagram it is here finally Um, thank you so much for your suggestion it's a case that actually I was just a bit nervous about covering to be honest because I don't really know loads about the laws that govern the sea and crimes that happen at sea I don't really know who's in charge of investigating or the lack of laws when we look at things happening in open water. But then I began researching this case and I realised I was kind of worrying about nothing because you don't need to know too much about that to be able to discuss this case specifically.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I don't know why I was so nervous. But there we go.
0: Bit silly, isn't it?
1: Hmm. Well, I'm going to warn all our listeners now as well. This is an unsolved case.
0: Uh-oh. just put it
1: out there straight away, cause you know how they like to tell us off, but we'd love to have a discussion with everybody about what you guys think happened, any theories you want to share, so please do head over to all the social media platforms that Mark mentioned, and um let' us know your thoughts so to begin with, we're going to look at a little bit of history and to the history of cruise ships, which I really enjoyed researching. Cruises were something that the wealthy would do as early as the 19th century, but it was very much a small affair. And then in the 20th century, cruises became more popular, but they were still incredibly exclusive and only really enjoyed by the wealthy. In the mid 20th century, the ships were about 30,000 tonnes. So to compare this with the ships today, they're over 200,000 tonnes. So these ships were really still very small. There were very few public rooms, so basically on the ship you'd have your bedroom, which was big enough for a bed and some chairs, and that was kind of it. Perhaps there'd be a library, a lounge, a restaurant or a card room, but only if you were lucky. Unlike ships today, there were no en-suites. Instead, there was a shared bathroom for all the passengers. (laughs) It is so different from what you'd expect today.
0: I guess it was maybe a little bit more functional. Back then, like a 100 years ago, it was more about getting to your destination in style still, but it was probably more about the destination than the journey, whereas now it's like, you know, people go cruising and they'll be at sea for five days, and that's amazing in itself, just being on board like what is essentially a floating palace, even though you've got nothing to see and you're not visiting any country, it's still really cool. But yeah, I, I wonder back then it was probably a bit more about getting to a specific location.
1: Yeah, and I think as well, because it was so exclusive and the ships were quite small, potentially it would be a large family would have hired the cruise ship. And so they'd be used to not having on sweeps and stuff, wouldn't they? Because they live yeah. in a house all together anyway. Um, so that was kind of my impression from this. And then in the 60s was when modern cruising that we're kind of familiar with emerged. The ships began to add options kind of for the clients and they had begun to be kind of floating hotels but like you said floating palaces really fancy hotels only the most exclusive customers were found on board still so really it was only for the incredibly wealthy in the 60s sort of time so there were celebrity guests such as Queen Elizabeth and Walt Disney among the many names that cruised during the 50s and 60s and loads of Hollywood's top stars Even though the clientele were so high class, there were still very few destinations available. Only large ports were an option for cruise travellers because these ships were so large. And so the most popular destination was to go from London to New York. And they weren't the way that we'd expect today even then. So they would have had one bar and a dining hall which had set meal times. I don't even think that you particularly got a choice. It was you're coming to dinner at this time and here's your food. The dress code was really strict. So I was reading a website called cruise.co.uk and it was so wonderful. I'm going to put a link on social media because it had loads of anecdotes from people. And somebody was saying that the ladies had to wear gowns, the men had to wear jackets and ties, and there were no exceptions to the rule. If you were coming to dinner, you were dressed nicely. And the um, maitre d' at the door would have a selection of spare jackets in case someone forgot theirs, because you couldn't go in if you didn't have one.
0: There there are still some cruises, some ships that enforce that rule, even now, Yeah, where you, you have to dress formally for dinner, or, or certain restaurants on board a cruise ship would, would enforce that rule. But yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it?
1: I love it. So when we went to Jamaica, the, the hotel that we've stayed at in Jamaica... Because it's um, a, like an exclusive luxury, blah, blah, blah thing. Half of the restaurants you have to wear, like men have to wear trousers. You can't just wear shorts and flip flops and stuff. Um, you If you turn up in the wrong outfit, you will be turned away because they want to have some element of that old fashioned classic wealth sort of thing. So for three of the nights, we decided, right, we're going to really dress up. And it was so nice to do.
0: It is, isn't it? Because on holiday, during the day at least, you're, you just kind of slop about in, in, you know, little bikini or whatever, if you're a woman. I
1: know you do. Shut I've seen up. your pictures. Shut up, shut <laughs>
0: up. Little bikini, little thong.
1: Yeah, of course, our poor listeners. But that was the thing, when we went back the second time we took Chris's parents, we were like, right, you need to make sure you really dress up and it's really fun. And it, we had a lovely time just ensuring that we were glam. So after World War II, the cruise industry took a big hit in terms of popularity, but in the 70s, there was a TV show about Cruise Line. Viewers kind of became interested in cruises once again, and it was actually the normal people who became interested. Suddenly, this was something that normal people wanted rather than just the rich and famous. And so from the 1980s onwards, the industry enjoyed steady growth in popularity and revenue, So the ships are now huge, self-sufficient towns. They have numerous stops along their way, 24-7 dining, 24-7 bars, numerous pools, and there's loads of entertainment options like shows and concerts. But as with anything, there are dangers associated with cruises. Since the year 2000, there have been 313 documented cases of people going missing from cruise vessels, with only about 10% of those cases resolved. The most recent was in January 2020. And I guess with the lockdown and the pandemic, cruising has obviously had a halt. So maybe that's the only reason why it's a year ago now, actually.
0: I think you're probably right, yeah.
1: When you look at the list and the dates, it's absolutely terrifying. And because cruise lines are not legally required to make public every case of a person who goes missing or overboard, it's actually estimated by some in the industry that only 15 to 20% of such cases are documented and become public and generally only because of the media catching on to them. So these facts were taken from a brilliant blog called Jim Walker's Cruise Line News where he discusses everything cruise lines don't want you to know and he's really, really interesting because he's a lawyer who um, looks into cases for people um, who have instances at sea. Carnival Cruises has the worst record for this of all cruise companies, so there's one to look out for, Mark. But today's case was Disney's first. Rebecca Corium was a 24-year-old woman from Chester in England. She was working as a childminder on board the Disney Wonder cruise ship. Rebecca, known to her loved ones as Bex, was born on March 11, 1987. She lived with her parents, Anna Maria and Mike, as well as one sister and two foster brothers. She had studied in Exeter, where she loved to surf, she was a member of the uni basketball team, and she enjoyed going out with her friends. She loved studying and living in Merseyside, and had recently graduated from a sports science degree at Exeter University. But soon a dream job came up, and she applied to Disney. In June 2010, the 23-year-old Rebecca was interviewed in London for a shipboard position with Disney Cruise and was hired over hundreds of other applicants. She received four months of training at Disney facilities in Florida before working on cruises to and from the Bahamas for four months. After this, she returned to Britain for a bit and then off she headed for her next job, which was working with other young people aboard the Disney Wonder, which was based in Los Angeles. So Rebecca's job was to watch the kids aboard the ship when the parents wanted some time off. She loved her job and all the children really enjoyed spending time on their trip with her. She was known as a really happy young woman and her girlfriend Tracy was also a staff member on board. On March the 11th, Rebecca joined the ship, which was due to set sail to Puerto Vallarta in Mexico from Los Angeles. And on the 21st of March, the day the ship left LA, Rebecca sent her parents a message via Facebook telling them she was going to ring the following day. And her usual methods of contact with her family were to stay in touch via Facebook and Skype. So that was quite normal. Her mum responded and they just awaited her promised call, but none came. Twelve hours went by without a response, and they began to worry. And as Rebecca's parents went to bed, on the night of the 22nd of March, the phone rang. But sadly for them, it was not Rebecca, instead it was an official from Disney. It was the phone call that no parent ever wants to receive. The official was calling to say that Rebecca was missing. So, what had happened to Rebecca? At 9am on the morning of the 22nd, the wonder was off the coast of Mexico. Rebecca had missed the start of her shift and this was really unusual for her, so staff began to search for her. She wasn't in her room, she wasn't anywhere else on the ship and when they paged her over the tannoy, there was still no response. The security team began to review the security camera footage and what they found was incredibly chilling. Timestamped at 5.45am, Rebecca was visible, talking on an internal phone line wearing what looked to be men's clothing and acting visibly distressed. A young man, a staff member, walked up to her and and seems to be asking if she's okay or how she is or if everything's all right, something like that. And then her mouth can clearly be read to be saying, yeah, fine. After which she hangs up the phone and she begins to walk away. And as she walks away, she kind of pushes her hair back and puts her hands in her pockets. And these are mannerisms that her parents say were quite common for her. This is the last known sighting of the young woman, and her whereabouts since the phone conversation have not been established. When Rebecca was nowhere to be found, the United States Coast Guard and the Mexican Navy were then contacted to perform a search of the surrounding ocean, but Rebecca was not discovered in the water. Rebecca's parents have actually publicly said that they believe Disney didn't follow proper procedures and are at fault in numerous ways. So Mike Corriam, Rebecca's father, has publicly said he believes Disney disregarded standard operating procedures and didn't turn the ship around to look for their staff member. And he also claims that the Navy and Coast Guard teams were given incorrect coordinates and probably searched the wrong area of the sea.
0: If that's true, that's, that is heartbreaking, isn't it? I can almost see, if Rebecca did go overboard, I can see her just flailing around in the water with minutes to live and seeing that ship just continue on its path um, and her seeing it fade into the distance as, as she drowns. Essentially, it's tragic.
1: Really, really awful, isn't it? Yeah. So under the Flags of Convenience system, jurisdiction of the case fell to the country of the ship's registration, which in this case was the tax haven of the Bahamas, So a flag of convenience is a business practice whereby a ship's owner registers that ship in a ship register of a country other than that of the ship's owners and then the ship will fly the civil insignia of that country so um, the flag state. Basically ship owners may decide to do this. They may register this ship in a foreign country that enables it to avoid regulations of their own country so they may for example have stricter safety standards at home They might do it to avoid higher taxes in their own country and it could be to bypass some certain laws as well because some laws will protect the wages and working conditions of mariners.
0: I was just going to say that it's... um... It's quite a clever thing to do from a business perspective. And I was going to say things like minimum wage laws and regulation, um, they can bypass all of that by registering that ship in, in some obscure country. So it does make sense. It's not necessarily the right thing to do for the staff or for the passengers. But from a business perspective, I totally get it.
1: Yeah, well, Panama, for example, offers advantages of easier registration because you can often just register online so you don't even need to go to the country and the ability to employ cheaper foreign labour and then the foreign owners sometimes wouldn't pay income tax as well. So it's not morally great, but it does, like you said, make sense from a business point of view. Because the wonder was registered in the Bahamas, a detective from the Royal Bahamas Police Force, the RBPF, flew to the ship to begin a formal investigation. However, this was not until the ship was back in LA three days after Rebecca's disappearance. Some sources have claimed that Disney didn't contact the RBPF until this time, but that he flew out as soon as he was called. Other sources say that it was an agreement that when they got back he would come. Um, Other sources have said that it was the police force that took the time. I'm not 100% sure. The detective was reported to have undertaken in inverted commas, several days of onboard investigations. But other sources have stated that he spent one day aboard the Wonder once it returned to port. He interviewed six of the 950 employees and none of the 2,000 plus passengers.
0: Wow. Yeah. But also, also there's just one, there's just one police officer, it sounds like, that's gone to do that. So it is. How could he possibly conduct anywhere near a thorough investigation in a few hours with just him? It's ridiculous. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And finally, after several days of really rubbish communication, Disney eventually flew Rebecca's parents, Mike and Anne, to meet with the detective and the ship's captain in Los Angeles. So her parents said, We wanted to get out there straight away, but it was a battle. The communication was not good from the ship. Disney stalled us going out after that phone call. We were ringing constantly but hearing nothing. Three days after that call, we flew out when the ship was moored in Los Angeles and we were allowed on the vessel on the Sunday morning and it was setting sail that evening. The couple have described it as being treated Disney-style. So Anne was reported to saying to the press, everything was staged by Disney. We were taken in a car with blacked out windows and we were taken in through the boat's back entrance as passengers disembarked from the front it just, it does sound very staged and they didn't want this sadness and this awful thing that happened to kind of impact on any of their customers that were at the front.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose from their point of view, they they would see an incident like this as tarnishing their brand and that that essentially is going to cost them millions and millions of dollars.
1: Yeah. So Rebecca's parents met the Bahamian detective and he told them that he had spent only one day on board investigating before flying back home. And the detective also told them that he had interviewed only a few crew members and none of the passengers. So not only was it reported from other sources, but also from them saying he told them directly. So the captain of the Wonder then met them. He gave them his condolences and he expressed his theory that Rebecca had been washed overboard by a wave while at the crew pool which is a theory that the Coriams doubted when they were then shown Deck 5, which is a crew swimming pool area directly in front of the ship's bridge. It's guarded by walls that are reaching over six feet in height. I'm going to put a picture in, Mark, of um, the actual pool and the deck, and if you zoom in, you can see just how high these walls are.
0: Um. Oh God, yeah, I can see it.
1: So they're really high walls. And so the, the parents were kind of unsure when they then saw that deck. They were kind of like, God, that must have been a very big wave to wash over that high walls, that high up on the ship as well.
0: I mean, you can get these rogue waves out in, in the ocean. So it is potentially uh, possible, I guess.
1: Mm, it's definitely possible. And then they were taken to the crew's quarters and Rebecca's cabin. They were shown a sandal that allegedly belonged to Rebecca and had been recovered on Deck 5. So that was kind of proof that, well, one of her flip-flops was found there, so she must have been swept overboard. And then after that, they were taken to a meeting with Disney executives and the woman that Rebecca had been speaking to on the phone. They were played the CCTV footage of Rebecca apparently on the phone on Deck 5. And her parents were exhausted and jet-lagged, so they didn't really ask many questions. They thought... This was the initial meeting and they'd be able to ask loads of stuff later but actually they were not given any further opportunities because the following day they watched the Disney Wonder once again set sail and Disney basically considered the matter closed. So Disney described it as a heartbreaking matter and they laid flowers upon the site of Deck 5 where this alleged rogue wave accident had happened um, in a ceremony attended by some of the ship's crew. So the investigation basically concluded Rebecca must have gone overboard and possibly as a result of a rogue wave. And that was that. The Coriums never received a copy of the final report that they were promised by the Bahamian police. Their lawyer was also not given a copy. The British detectives who did receive it have refused repeated Freedom of Information Act requests for the copy on the grounds that it contains restricted personal information. And unsatisfied with Disney's account of their daughter's disappearance, the Corriums hired private investigator Roy Ram, a former specialist of Scotland Yard, and they also sought the aid of Chester MP Chris Matheson and former Deputy Prime Minister Lord Prescott. They also met with a journalist from The Guardian called John Ronson. So he was really, really shocked that this detective had told Rebecca's dad he was leaving the ship so soon, saying he wasn't staying. Instead, he's going back to the Bahamas. Mike had asked him, hang on, you only got to the ship on Friday? And Mike was really shocked that he'd only spent Saturday there. That was the day that he'd spent. The fact that none of the passengers were questioned was also really shocking to them. And Anne was really shocked that it wasn't very many of the crew either.
0: Yeah, it, it is appalling, isn't it? The lack of any investigation. And of course, they want to believe that it was just a rogue wave and she went overboard because that's the easiest option and it allows Disney to move on so quickly. But of course, there would be so many other options um, that could have resulted in in Rebecca's disappearance and, and possibly even her murder. You know, we don't know.
1: Rebecca was even discussed in the House of Commons. Her local MP, Stephen Molesley, said Disney was more interested in getting the ship back to sea than in the case of a missing crew member. And he described it as appalling that only one policeman from the Bahamas, um, which he said was an authority internationally recognised as almost toothless, that that was Whoa. the only person called to investigate. He was savage. That
0: is savage, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. And he also said that flag of convenience countries such as the Bahamas should not be left to conduct these kind of investigations.
0: I do agree with that. I think that's a really good point.
1: Absolutely. I I totally agree with him. And I think it's really, really telling that Rebecca's case was even discussed then in places like the House of Commons as something really, really important that needed to be found out. You know, something more needed to be found out. Yeah, So, we're now going to look at some of the theories that have been put forward as potentials for what happened to Rebecca. So, outside of the official investigations, her parents were able to learn so much more about what might have happened to their loved daughter. And there are loads of things about her disappearance that just don't add up. Her case is still being talked about to this day and it is so intriguing. So, a few months after Rebecca's disappearance, the journalist John Ronson that I mentioned earlier actually decided to go aboard the Wonder in an attempt to make sense of her accident. He spent a lot of time talking to crew members, and some of the quotes are really worrying. So one of the crew members actually told him, Disney knows exactly what happened. That phone call she had, it was taped. Everything here is taped. There's CCTV everywhere. Disney have the tape. And another crew member replied to his inquiries by saying, I don't know anything about it. It didn't happen. You know that's the answer I have to give. So... The first off of the theories is that rogue wave. So obviously this is the official um, kind of final report. This was what had happened. And so this is the photo of that pool and we'll make sure we put these on social media. The rogue wave theory does make a lot of sense on the face of it because like you said this does happen and they're out in the middle of the ocean. It was early in the morning potentially. However the weather reports don't really work so the theory is between 6am and 9am at some point a wave swept rebecca off the deck and overboard for a wave to do this it would need to be about 100 foot high because of how tall the ship already is and to sweep her as well but there was no stormy weather reported and therefore there were probably no waves large enough when people have been discussing they've said it's quite a calm morning it wasn't that stormy at all
0: I I also think with this that if there had been a rogue wave other ships would have spotted it and they I'm sure they would have maritime systems and protocols where they would have to warn other ships in the vicinity because this wouldn't have been the only ship that was in the vicinity at the time of this alleged rogue wave so uh, I think it would have been apparent that there was a rogue wave that had been seen by other ships and other captains and, and that's not discussed so Again, that, that casts further doubt on it for me. Also what I, what I would say, and I, I know we 've sort of talking about this photo quite a bit, but it will be on um, Instagram for you guys to have a look at if you look at the top deck or, or it 's deck five I think was it where they they think she went overboard the actual kind of walls of of that deck so you said they 're about six feet high they 're actually curved in a in a particular fashion that would make it very difficult to actually go overboard, and of course they 're designed for that reason, so it 's not as easy to go overboard. Board on a ship, even if there is a rogue wave, it's not as easy as you might think it, it would potentially
1: be. Yeah, exactly. And the family were working with this private investigator, Roy Ram, who was a former commander of specialist operations at Scotland Yard. And he looked into these weather reports and kind of made this dis- kind of decision about this. He also looked in more detail at the CCTV footage from the ship. So in his investigations, he discovered that the CCTV footage had been cropped to hide the timestamp and the location. So according to Disney, that CCTV footage was shot inside on Deck 5, near to where Rebecca was allegedly swept overboard. But after he viewed the undoctored copy of the footage, Ram and the other investigators actually learned that it was actually shot on Deck 1, nowhere close to Deck 5, the pool, and Rebecca's alleged accidental death. The family have repeatedly asked for this footage, but their requests were refused.
0: So Disney were almost passing off uh, this CCTV as as footage from from deck five when actually it was from deck one. Because I yeah. guess they just didn't want to show the footage from deck five, which would have shown it seems what to happened. To fit the
1: narrative better,
0: for yeah, them. of course, yeah, it's like a cover up, allegedly.
1: Yeah, potentially.
0: Do you know what this reminds me of? This is like the female Corrie McKeague, isn't it?
1: It's so similar with the Cease TV.
0: For those that don't know um, about that case, Corrie had gone on a night out and um, just kind of walked around to the back of some shops in the middle of the the night. It was like two in the morning or something. Um, He was really drunk and he just literally disappeared. And there's all sorts of uh, theories aren't there around this and we did cover it for a Patreon episode a few months back um, but that's a fascinating case where somebody literally vanished into thin air and this just has so many similarities for me because this it's so easy to say that um, Cory ended up in a bin lorry and it's so easy to say that Rebecca Corium fell overboard but there are so many other possibilities aren't there in both cases.
1: That was a case as well that I was I was a bit gutted because I covered that as a Patreon special and it was one that I really wanted to be able to discuss with you in more detail. So we may just have to revisit that case and kind of redo it, but discuss.
0: Let's do it. Yeah, Yeah, let's do that. And we'll release it out um, to to the whole audience. I think so. Yeah. Fascinating case, but sorry, I digress. But yeah, lots of similarities for me.
1: Yeah. So Mike and Anne met with John Ronson from The Guardian, who I mentioned before, and he'd basically said to them i'll go and get on the cruise and i'll i'll go and ask some questions so they were really really pleased that he was going to help them and they said that they'd be pleased for whatever help they could get so he then went on this ship that he said about and he interviewed loads of crew members some of it in like a bit of a sneaky way like he'd be at the bar and then he'd be like so were you here when this happened and it was It was really, it just felt like something out of a movie or something, but he seemed like he was doing a really good job because he actually went and spoke to so many people.
0: And he was, he'd kind of booked himself onto this cruise as a normal passenger, hadn't he? So
1: He had, yeah. Yeah,
0: it was kind of like not a holiday for him, obviously. It was a work trip, but he was totally undercover. Um, So yeah, good for him.
1: Yeah, definitely. He took a reconnaissance trip of the area kind of where the pool was, he said that it had no ocean view because the railings is kind of, it's a high steel wall. It reaches well above height, head height. And he said that basically his opinion of the whole ship was the only place Rebecca could have fallen from is the deck for jogging track. The railings everywhere else are just too high. And Rebecca did like to go for a jog. His theory was that after that 5.45am phone call, maybe she'd gone for a jog to clear her mind and she'd slipped. So that kind of made sense to him. But then on deck four, he spotted four CCTV cameras. They would capture every inch of the deck. So when he went to go look at the deck that she'd apparently fallen from, he said there is no way someone could accidentally fall from there. And he spoke to a crew member who said maybe after the phone call, she'd gone for a walk to clear her head and the wind lifted her away. John said, but the steel wall is so high down there. And the crew member said, I was on the ship that day. It was a rocky day. And one time a friend of mine was called early in the morning. The deck by the crew pool was really windy and slippy and someone was walking there. My friend was called to get them inside. Disney took it really seriously and the guy got sent home. She could have fallen. So that was a crew member saying potentially and that they didn't know. So it is so difficult to kind of... Work out what's true and what's false. Half the people are saying it. It was a really calm morning, and then here's somebody who said it was a rocky day. It's just so hard, isn't it?
0: But also, she would have had training. So she had four months training in Florida before she even started her position on on a cruise ship. And part of that training would be around. Uh, I'm guessing, even though it's uh, would come under the jurisdiction of the Bahamas, there would still be a lot of training around safety for crew personnel. So training like if it's a rocky day you are not to go out on deck or you know just I don't know like there there must have just been a lot of training around how to keep yourself safe on board so w- yeah, why would she have put herself so. at risk when she knew that it was a risk?
1: Potentially she still did because she was so worked up about whatever had happened maybe and we'll go into that in a bit more detail so maybe hold that thought maybe she wasn't thinking clearly and that could have been why.
0: Because I'm glad that we'll come back to that because I I, I suppose at the moment I definitely have my own theory on this in terms of what happened to her. Um, So we'll we'll save that for when we get to the the relevant section.
1: (laughs) So something that Disney did give to Rebecca's parents as proof that she'd been on Deck 5 was that flip-flop. So it was apparently found where she'd been swept overboard. However... This flip-flop actually had the name and cabin number of another staff member written on it. It wasn't Rebecca's size, and it didn't look like something she would wear. And whilst at the very beginning this was like, oh, that's her flip-flop, shows that she went over there, now it's just absolutely a given that wasn't her flip-flop. So why go to the like facade of showing it and trying to use it as proof? And also, why not get one that doesn't have someone else's name and cabin number written in it?
0: Yeah, if, you, if you're if you going to look at potentially covering something up, at least try and do a bit of a better job of it.
1: John spoke to loads of staff members when he was on his investigative cruise. So one of Rebecca's friends told him she was only speaking to him because Mike and Anne had asked her to. She described Rebecca as she was the most amazing little burst of energy. you were completely drawn to her. She loved life, bouncing around all the time. She was one of my best friends, but it could get a bit much. You come in from a heavy night and she'd be zapping around everywhere, playing tricks on you. She's very mischievous. She told him that the ship was rife with rumours, but... She did believe that there were problems in Rebecca's passionate and intense relationship and she said to him about how Disney shut down any questions that people had about Rebecca's disappearance and said, Disney swear they've told us everything they know, which is that they don't know anything, but most of us think bullshit. Someone must know something. Someone's covering something up. So she shared her theory with Rom that she thought Bex had climbed onto the wall to sit up and kind of just sit there quietly and think but that she'd fallen by accident. So he said, well, why would Disney not just admit this? And she said her opinion was, like you said, actually, Mark, earlier, to try and protect the brand. If it was 6am and they were doing their job and watching the front, someone must have seen her go over. Or if they didn't, they're covering up why they didn't. And I thought that is such a good point, isn't it? Somebody should have been watching out all the time to check that your passengers and staff are safe
0: and it could be that um maybe she was seen going overboard and they just didn't want to turn the ship around and um delay the their arrival in in Los Angeles
1: i wonder as well like she said was there a reason that they didn't spot her so was someone else up to something a bit naughty and then they didn't do their job properly so disney were covering that like who knows
0: and also that the whole, like, her sitting on on that wall and she fell by accident, I mean, I'm sorry, but fucking hell, no one is going to, that is suicidal, which I'm sure will come on to that as well. But no one is going to sit on that wall and balance precariously, knowing that the ship's a bit rocky that morning anyway, and that there's a high possibility that that... That they could fall overboard. There's no way she sat there. Uh, She may have sat there if she was suicidal, but if she wasn't suicidal, there's no way she would have taken that risk of sitting on on the wall uh, because it would have just been so precarious.
1: And that leads on exactly to potentially a less sinister but very sad possibility, the idea that she committed suicide, because we can never say anything for sure about someone's state of mind. We're shown... So often photos of people who look happy and cheerful on the surface but they are battling things internally and there are a number of celebrities that spring to mind immediately so obviously we can't discount this theory properly however what I would say is that Mike and Anne have stated that the notion of Rebecca taking her life is impossible for them to accept and they say that everything about their daughter's final days point to a young woman who is enjoying her life she had even recently been given complimentary Disneyland Paris tickets that she was going to share with her family. She had excitedly Facebooked her mum with the news. In her cabin, there was a scribbled message on paper that reminded her to phone mum with like an exclamation mark at the end. So her family believes that this pointed to having a positive state of mind.
0: See, that 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 really kind of grates on me though. And I completely understand that her parents find it impossible to accept that she was suicidal because I think any parent would, would find that really difficult to accept. But all of the stuff they've mentioned to me doesn't negate the fact that she still could have um, taken her own life. So I think she could still have been future planning and excited about things. And then something happened that just completely flicked a switch and she made an irrational decision to take her own life. So I don't want to think that that, that happened, but for me right now, I think it's a most plausible explanation as to what did happen. I, I, do feel based on what we've covered so far that, that she took, uh, an irrational decision to end her life. And I would say probably off, off the back of the phone call that she took at quarter to six in the morning, it sounded like she was distressed on that call and something happened. Something was said that, um, that completely flicked a switch for her
1: this is it so other Disney employees were saying that Rebecca was having um, a couple of beers until 2am on the day that she went missing and that she came across as happy-go-lucky her friends and family said that working for Disney would require you to have an overall sunny disposition so that really fit with their impression of Rebecca Um, a member of the crew even said Disney wouldn't hire you if you weren't that sort of person But then other crew members and close friends of Rebecca's said she was more complex and one crew member described her as a lovely girl with underlying sadness. So your parents are always, I think, going to look at you in a certain way, whereas other people potentially might see something different. And as you said, something may have happened. Nobody knows for definite why anybody makes any choices they do, especially if it is something like a suicide when... You're never going to find out for definite what those reasons were, even when people leave letters or notes.
0: And if she was, if she did have this underlying sadness, if she was depressed, people are really good at hiding that. So she'd have been able to hide that from Disney. She would have just acted as the person that they wanted to see so somebody positive with a sunny disposition she's not going to go into her interview or any aspect of that recruitment process with a sad face on she's just going to put it on whether she feels it or not and people are really good at doing that so again I just I don't think that that really proves the point that she didn't kill herself.
1: Mm. A few stories about Rebecca's private life came out and Potentially they also could point to her wanting to take her own life. I personally am not convinced, but they may support your kind of theory. So in 2017, years later, Tracy, Rebecca's girlfriend and co-worker aboard the Wonder, publicly claimed that the night before Rebecca went missing, her and Rebecca engaged in a threesome with Tracy's male boyfriend, So Rebecca had been distraught over their fiery and passionate relationship in the weeks prior, Tracy said. And then Tracy said, perhaps looking back, maybe Rebecca having to share her lover with a male friend or perhaps sexually vying for Tracy's attention had turned her sunny mood into a state of despair. So I don't really know for sure when this had apparently happened compared with the drinking till 2am. My understanding is that she was in the bar until 2am and then this um, threesome had happened. And then the next thing was the 5.45 phone call. So that seems to be the timeline according to Tracy.
0: I, w- I do wonder why Tracy felt it was the right thing to just come out and, and tell everybody that, that they'd had a threesome. I think that's disrespectful to uh, Rebecca's, um, you know, the, her, the memory that her family would hold of her.
1: I don't know whether maybe she felt that it would help people to just get some closure maybe because she was theorising that Rebecca had climbed over the railings to jump in the ocean because of her state of mind potentially Tracy was doing this from that side of things I don't know
0: it it is a potential kind of motive for suicide um so I I do understand but I equally I don't know I just I'm a bit uncomfortable with with why she would come out with that however I do understand Mm. at the same time I don't know it just tarnishes uh, the memory of Rebecca for um for a family I'm sure they wouldn't have wanted that to have come out in the public domain
1: maybe disney just didn't want to have a suicide publicly noted as having happened on their ship but for me this doesn't really sit right because any cctv footage would totally clear rebecca's employers of any wrongdoing and would actually give her parents the opportunity to think Do you know what this is what happened so whilst the publicity may have been bad disney wouldn't have been at fault and from the amount of scandals that go on, and then companies come out the other side smelling the roses, I just don't see that that would have would have been the case. myself, I just can't see her committing suicide
0: i I suppose it could have it could have shone a light on disney's practices on board the ship towards their employees and and how they care for them but equally you can't as an employer you can't be held responsible for what your staff do or if they're suffering from depression you can still support them and and they might still take their life so even if disney were worried about that whether there'd be an investigation into uh their sort of care towards rebecca ultimately it's still not their responsibility to prevent her from taking her life because they they can't do that they can't physically stop her um but that's all i could think maybe they were just concerned that if they've got a staff member that that kills themselves how does that reflect on disney as an employer um was she stressed through work was she being supported by her employer sufficiently um or were the working conditions such that they just contributed to her taking her own life but as i say regardless even if that was the case it's still it's still not disney's fault and surely they would have they would have known that too
1: so one of the theories that fits better for me is that something happened to rebecca at the hands of someone else some people think she was murdered and then thrown overboard by an unknown assailant Um, According to the accounts of the crew members, her family, her friends and even members of law enforcement, Rebecca's case was a botched investigation. So, six officially recorded interviews, loads of withheld evidence, no forensic investigation. It's impossible to say either way with this. One of the last people aboard the ship to see Rebecca alive, who was one of her good friends, said to the BBC... I was never spoken to by any security or police at all, and to call this an investigation is an insult. The Corian family have never received any final report, and very little evidence or related material to the investigation was disclosed to them. Um, Sir so Cheshire Police did liaise with the Bahamas authorities, but they didn't proceed with their own investigation on the grounds of lack of proper jurisdiction They received an interim report, which, in their words to the family, was totally and utterly unsatisfactory. But they were under instructions not to disclose to the family its content. So a lot of this is really, really damning. If it was murder, we will never know. However, if it was a murder, that's a massive deal. Someone on board would have seen or heard something. Somebody would have said something, surely.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But they could still be keeping it, um, within those four walls, so to speak. So it might be that she was murdered and several people know that, but they're not disclosing that information. I think for me, what must be so frustrating for her mum and dad, um, just the complete farce of an investigation into her disappearance. And then also just the, the constant brick walls that they're encountering. In terms of trying to obtain any information. So Cheshire police have information, they have a dossier, but they can't share that with the Corian family because um, there's sensitive information in it. I just think that must be so frustrating for them. I can't imagine... How frustrating it must be. They've lost their daughter. They know that it's highly likely that she's died, that she went overboard. They don't know the circumstances around that. Um, but, but they need some sort of closure and they've not got it because obviously a body's never been found, but they've also not got any, any other form of closure because they just still don't know what happened or why, even though the contents of the answers to those questions might be in the reports that they're not allowed to see. It's mad, it's madness.
1: Yeah, it's really it's really frustrating and it makes me feel so sad for them. Yeah. The theory that I personally feel works very well for me is the potential of Rebecca being the victim of a sexual assault. So when Rebecca left the ship to go home for a family funeral, she had actually confided in a couple of close friends that she was fearful of being raped or sexually assaulted while on the ship. And the investigator, Roy Ram, found a pair of ripped shorts in her personal effects from her cabin. So he found these in 2016, and he and other law enforcement believe that this pointed to signs of a struggle, perhaps even a sexual assault before her disappearance. So there were other CCTV pictures that showed Rebecca talking on the phone, looking visibly upset, holding her head in her hands. A male colleague kind of put an arm around her. Audio recording of Rebecca's strained on-deck telephone call has never surfaced. And if any tape did exist of the call, that could help to answer the circumstances. Nobody's ever kind of brought that forward. Disney have never said that they have this. Um, the footage was recorded in the middle of the night, looking as if Rebecca was wearing men's pyjamas or clothes. And she kind of pulls at those uncomfortably. So her family believe that this is a sign that their daughter kind of desperately threw on whatever available garments were there to kind of escape the cabin after some sort of attack. So obviously there was that pair of shorts in her room that were ripped. They believed that she was engaged in some sort of violent struggle just before her death. So perhaps she was the victim of a sexual attack and the attacker was scared that she would report it. So they killed her by throwing her overboard or perhaps they killed her and then threw her body overboard. Perhaps the attack was something that caused her to want to kill herself so perhaps it left her acting in a way she wouldn't normally and because she was acting irrationally she then put herself into a dangerous situation like we were talking about earlier maybe she then wasn't then thinking clearly so she did do something that ended badly maybe that threesome that tracy then the next year came out and said had happened wasn't such an a kind of innocent consensual act after all maybe that wasn't a threesome maybe it was a threesome but things went too far and Rebecca got hurt. Potentially it started out consensual, but then ended with Rebecca regretting everything. This kind of is the theory that works the best for me. It still doesn't necessarily tell you what happened to Rebecca afterwards, though, whether she just accidentally put herself in danger, purposefully put herself in danger, or died at the hands of someone else.
0: I think that if she was murdered on well if she was killed if somebody killed her I don't think they killed her by throwing her off the ship because I just think that that's nigh on impossible to to throw somebody off a ship over a six foot high wall when they're not already dead, basically, because they're going to put up a fight, they're going to struggle. I just don't think that would be possible. So she may have been murdered on board. And it's, I mean, let's be honest, it's an amazing way to dispose of a body, isn't it? Throwing a body off Um, a cruise ship into the middle of the ocean that body is never going to be found all of the forensic evidence of a potential sexual attack and of her murder uh, is just going to be lost so it is a great way to dispose of a body but yeah I think if she was murdered she was murdered on board and then the body was disposed of over over the side of the ship
1: So that friend that I mentioned earlier said that perhaps Rebecca made her way to the fifth deck because it was her favourite spot and she'd sit up onto the wall and maybe she'd accidentally fallen from it. Um, So this friend had said to the investigative journalist, John, um, she loved deck five. It was where we used to always go. I bet she climbed onto the wall and sat on a ledge in a I need to feel like I'm off the ship for a second kind of way. So, whether this is because she was feeling low in general or because she had had something happen to her, the friend didn't specify, but it, it could work as a theory in both aspects. Again, I'm just left wondering if this is the case, why Disney can't just share that CCTV footage with her parents and give them some peace? Because, as you said, they just have no answers up until this point and what was going on
0: if the ship is covered by cctv as much as it sounds like it is and deck five is covered then it's just i'm just like the answer is there isn't it the answer is in that cctv that covered deck five because it's going to show if she was with anyone, it might even show um, her going overboard, jumping, sitting on the ledge, falling by accident. And Disney have, have clearly not wanted to provide that footage because they provided footage of deck one and cropped it so that it looked like it was for deck five. So this it does sound really dodgy, doesn't it? It does sound like they're trying to cover something up.
1: So um, some people have also theorised that Rebecca was taken and sold into sex slavery, which is not completely uncommon on cruise ships. There's another really famous case, the disappearance of Amy Bradley. And Amy has apparently been spotted a number of times. So Amy was on holiday with her brother and her parents in 1998 on a week long cruise on the Rhapsody of the Seas. On the morning of the 24th of March, Amy had been drinking with the ship's band Blue Orchid in the dance club. One of the band members claimed he parted ways with Amy about 1am. Sometime between 5.15 and 5.30, her dad saw her asleep. But when her dad got up at 6am, Amy was no longer there. She had vanished. And um, it's definitely a case that people should look into. It's a really, really interesting and intriguing case. Since then, there have been so many reported sightings of Amy. There's two photos showing a woman who does look you know, really similar to Amy, on an adult website that people believe potentially is her. A tourist said that they saw her on a beach accompanied by two men who quickly hustled her away, and that tourist identified her by tattoos that match Amy's. In 1999, an American Navy sailor claimed he saw her in a brothel and spoke to her, and that she had begged for help, saying she wasn't allowed to leave, And a woman told investigators in 2005 that, while in Barbados, she was frightened in a public restroom by a woman who matched Amy's description being escorted by a man. She helped to create a sketch, but it was kind of another fruitless lead. So there is the chance that this could have happened to Rebecca too. Months after her disappearance, her credit card was used. It hasn't been found on the ship. Of course, this could have been an automatic pay or contactless. It doesn't mean she used it. Someone could have just taken it and tried their luck. It could also mean that she was taken by someone. But like every other theory, it's just a guess. It's just a theory.
0: Yeah. I think with the sex slave idea um, or theory, I just think surely there are easier people to pick as sex slaves. So people that are extremely vulnerable. Um, I, I just think why would you pick a staff member on a Disney cruise and abduct them off a cruise ship and sell them into the sex slave world. I just.
1: But then why would you take somebody who's there with her family, who's clearly loved by people, on holiday? Genuinely, that is what a lot of people think happened to Amy Bradley. She was there on holiday with her family. I wonder if it's just, you happen to be, it's a hot, I hate this phrase, but the wrong place in the wrong time. Yeah,
0: it could be. I'm not saying completely no, but I'm just like, surely there are easier people that you can take, kidnap and sell into the sex slave trade.
1: Also, the issue with that for me is, it's so difficult because I'm just like, well, where would you keep them or hide them and then get them off the ship? and. yeah it blows my mind however it does happen it's not uncommon yeah, on fair, cruise fair ships, enough. so so it's frustrating for me but it yeah it's not a theory that works really very well for me either to be honest so chris matheson that british parliamentarian who believed that rebecca may have been murdered has now teamed up with a former police investigator and they said to the liverpool echo that their worst fear was that Rebecca was murdered. It is a possibility and needs to be investigated properly. The more you look into this, the more it smells rotten, the more it smells like a crime has taken place. And Bill Anderson, who is a maritime investigation coordinator in the UK, has worked with Rebecca's parents, and he said, I am fully convinced that a sexual assault took place and that Disney were aware of it on board the vessel. Um the British press has reported that former Labour Deputy John Prescott said he believes that Rebecca was thrown over the side of the Disney Wonder, and the British ex shipping minister said that the Bahamian investigation was appalling. Disney has said it stands by the results of that investigation conducted by Paul Roll, the Bahamian d- policeman, who, after a two day investigation on the Wonder, during docking in LA, concluded that she must have fallen overboard the investigation concluded that her vanishing was not suspicious and they've just stuck by that they've said that this is the investigation and so has he he um has kind of respectfully decided to decline to comment Um, the hollywood reporters tried to speak to paul roll and he literally replied with respectfully i have no further comment to make on the corium case disney have declined to comment to any newspapers since so whilst everyone's still talking about this Disney and the investigator will not speak and her family actually settled with Disney out of court for an undisclosed amount sometime in 2015. So this settlement did end any legal challenges in the US but there are several current and former government and law enforcement officials in the UK who are convinced that Rebecca was the victim of foul play and are still pushing to open alternative investigations into her disappearance and i really really hope that whilst her family potentially can't necessarily talk about things that maybe disney gave them something in that settlement out of court that they said if we can settle out of court we'll give you something like the cease or anything
0: that's interesting i didn't think of that i was i was kind of thinking that that that, that whole uh the corian family taking uh, a settlement from disney in return for not progressing this any further is really interesting to me. And I I think our listeners will have their own views on it. But I think that is a really good point, actually. Maybe part of that settlement was not purely financial. Maybe it was uh, information was uh, exchanged and provided to the Corian family that, that they had to then sign NDA, so they couldn't disclose it to the press. For example, who knows? We won't know because it's it's um under the terms of that agreement, it's confidential. But yeah, it could have been monetary, and it could have been some some form of information that is fascinating. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it is still. I I really hope that they were given some some sort of crumb of investigation that they could then look back at. I don't know because. The website Help Us to Find Rebecca. So, RebeccaCoriam.com is still up, and, and they created that to try and see if anybody had any information. So, if anybody listening does have information that they would want to share, it's Rebecca, hi, is it hyphen or a dash? I can't say either, it. Yeah. Hyphen? Um, Coriam.com. So, rebecca Um, But the fact that they're still asking people if they've got any information. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. It's yeah, just such knows. a sad, sad story. And one that I'm so glad that I wish I knew. I, isn't it weird with Instagram handles? But bad, bad L- Leroy Brown. I'm really glad that you shared that with us for us to be able to look into in a bit further detail.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. I, um, yeah, it's just, there's just so many parallels to Cory McKeague for me. So. Um, I'm so glad we covered it because that, that was also a fascinating case that we always knew we'd cover Corey McKeague and we covered it and, um, or him. And then obviously this, yeah, I'm glad that we've covered this. It's, uh, it's just fascinating these kind of unsolved disappearance cases where we actually don't know has a crime been committed or not, but. Um but yeah, do get in touch with us, let us know what you think, what theory is the most credible for you. You can get in touch with us through Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Um if you're a Patreon of the show, you can get in touch with us, direct message us or comment under the post that will go up on Patreon um for this episode. We do release our episodes a day or two early on Patreon. And um if you would like to support us then as we said at the beginning of the show, head over to patreon.com slash there's no minimum term to sign up for. You can just sign up for a month and cancel. Um, but you can gain access to a whole wealth of seeing red extras, really. It's um it's a great place. So do do have a think about coming in and joining us over there.
1: Lovely. Well there we go. So thanks for joining us again this week, guys, and we'll be back next week with another episode for you. Bye!
0: Hi angels, it's your girl Louise Rumble and I'm the host of the Open House podcast. Therapy quite literally changed my life and sent me straight into my hot healing girl era. Now, each week I share my story, the good, the bad and the downright juicy and chat with some of the world's best therapists, psychologists and wellness experts. From love, sex and dating to attachment styles, nervous system regulation, wellness hacks, hormone balancing and more, nothing is off the table. I've emptied my bank account on therapy and healing so you don't have to. So if you're ready to leave the past in the past and build the future you've always deserved, me and my favorite experts are waiting for you on the Open House podcast. Listen now wherever you stream your podcasts and I cannot wait to meet you.